Sports Pen with you Wednesday afternoon. Tanner Hoops with you. I'm glad to have you along on ESPN-UP. Kind of a damp, dark, gloomy, overcast day here in the Queen City, but nonetheless, we got sports to brighten it up for you. And you know what else is going to brighten it up for you? John Michael Hopling of ABC10. He's kind enough to join us and give us his insight and perspective as we're always grateful that he does here on Wednesdays. What's up, Mike? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're grateful for my insight. Most people are not nowadays, so I appreciate it. But thank you for having me on. I'm always glad to be back. Of course, working a lot lately, doing a lot of night shift stuff, so this is a good, relaxing sort of talking segment I get to do with you every week. They got you doing the graveyard stuff over at ABC10 now, huh? Oh, you know it, man. You know it. Tyree gets the day shift, and it's it's unfortunate for me because he lives four minutes away from the station, so <laughs> he can drive on over. No problem for him going at night because if he's tired, you know, he can just get there in now real quick. I need to drive 20 minutes, so. What do they have you doing over there during the night shift? Like, is it sports, or do they have you dabble in oh, some yeah, other yeah. areas? They still, have, they still have me doing sports. We still, uh, we still create content. We still got enough content to – keep us going for the time being but our up team of the year bracket is slowly fading away we're down to the final four so we're trying to come up with some stuff and get some ideas for after that's done but as of right now we're focusing on getting that done and finding some other stuff to fill our shows you know and i want to plug that because i've been following that and that's really interesting your up team of the year bracket and in case you missed this michael and the guys at abc 10 they've put together a uh, a 64-team March Madness field, and they took teams from various sports at various levels of competition all around the UP, everything from Northern Michigan hockey to Michigan Tech basketball to Lance girls basketball and Munising cheer, uh, Westwood boys tennis, all the above, you know, and they are doing a fan vote to decide who is the team of the year in the UP. So you're down to the final four, Mike. Who's still left? Who's left alive? Well, I'll tell you what, the folks in Barriga County that's and my the folks line, in Alger County. What, what, what? Oh, yeah, I can't that's, say That's I'll my verbal what. crutch. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> so let me say something. That's my version of it, all right? There you go. Let me say something. The folks in Barriga County and the folks in Alger County have really showed up for their teams. Lance girls basketball and Barriga girls basketball were in this very deep, and only Barriga girls basketball remains. Of the final four, it's Munising Cheer. Barriga girls basketball, Pickford football, of course, Division II state champs in the eight-man football, and Munising boys basketball. So those are the teams that our fans have voted on as the best of the best, the four best teams from around the UP this year. Well, they've all been having great years. It's hard to argue with any of them, but you're right. Alger County representing, man, they're dominating this bracket. Yeah, they are, and there's a chance we could see a Munising versus Munising battle. And I'm not going to lie, like, we're not rigging it or anything like that, but I'd prefer not to have a Munising versus Munising battle just because, you know, then it's like, a, then it becomes a whole thing of, like, you know, I could turn brother on brother, schoolmate on schoolmate, stuff like that. So I don't want to do stuff like that. I'd, I'd much rather it be one team versus another. In the Elite Eight, we had Pickford football versus Pickford boys basketball because that's just how the bracket unfolded. Mm. And it felt, it just felt bad. Like, I, I don't know. It, it didn't feel good to have that matchup happen. Oh, man, we that's good to, content. We tried to um, – maybe. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> we tried to assemble the bracket so that it was difficult to get teams versus each other. But obviously, we didn't expect Munising to show up for all their teams. So 
Obviously, we had two musing teams on opposite ends of the bracket, but it's a chance that they're going to meet in the finals now. Well, Cheer had a great year for them. They continued to have a great stretch of uh, of seasons. Oh, yeah. They've now. been really good for years. Yeah. And, and then boys basketball, uh, 20, 20 game winners this year. They're going to play for a district final before the season was cut short. So certainly a lot of deserving teams, passionate fans. Have you gotten some pretty good uh, voter turnout from this? Yeah, we've gotten some good voter turnout. There was one instance where a technical difficulty on our end led to the polls being posted late and the, it was a drastic reduction in votes. But other than that, we get about 200 to 250 voters per poll. And, uh, I mean, it's been really good. Munising cheer in three of the four rounds, the round of 64, the round of 32, and the Elite Eight, Munising cheer got the most votes of anyone. The Sweet 16, they didn't. So I used to think that they were an Iron Man, incapable of being defeated in a fan vote. But after watching the Sweet 16, I mean, I think there's a chance. So I think that that's sort of what's keeping me on my toes right now to see who's going to come away victorious. I know a couple of fans have had problems voting for the Final Four. We had problems, like, pulling it up on our end at the station. But it's a problem with um, our website creating, creator service, not with us. So we're trying our best to get that fixed. But once we get it fixed, we will let everybody know. I tell you what, we people are uh, still voting. It's just some people are having problems. I, I know that our terrestrial signal was picked up out there in Munising, so maybe some folks are hearing this. They want to vote for either the basketball team or the cheer squad. Where do they go about voting? Where do they cast their vote? So you would go to our website, abc10up.com, or you can go to our Facebook page, which has links to the polls. Our Facebook page is wbup slash wb. KP, ABC 10 CW5. And of course, if you have problems voting, which apparently some people have had for this Final Four matchup, which is unfortunate, but we're working on it, you can of course email us and let us know, and we will try our best to uh, get that fixed. You can also tell us who you'd like to vote for, and then we can go into the polls and edit them and add one vote, even if you don't vote specifically, we can add one vote to their tally. I tell you what, Michael, don't feel too bad if your voting system is hurting a little bit, because I think the last three presidential elections that's happened, too, I mean, you know, I'm from Iowa, <laughs> and the caucus back there this, this past winter was just a, a you-know-what show. So don't feel too bad. I think ABC10's got, it, got a fairly good track record when it comes to some other organizations. Oh, well, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate that's what, it. That's what we're here for. We're we're family here at ABC 10, ESPN, UP, what have you. We're, uh, we're all in this together. Uh, but I tell you what. You're turning into an Olive Garden slogan. Uh, is that when you're here, you're family? That's right. Man, shoot. You know what? I could go for some Olive Garden right now. I could, too, man. Where's the I closest Olive Garden to Marquette? No idea, know? man. That's a, that's a good question. I feel like it's like you have to go to Green Bay for it. Even Green Bay? I don't know. I've been to Green Bay three times since I've been up here. Why? I'm not no, saying anything against Green Bay. I just wonder what brings you down there so often. Well, I, I like, um, I was seeing somebody, and we took, like, a date weekend to go to Green Bay ah. to sort of do stuff and whatnot. I went with Tyree because we really wanted Red Robin one time, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You oh, yeah, drove no. three hours just to get Red Robin? It's worth it, man. It's <laughs> worth it. Is anything worth that? Is any fast food worth driving three hours one way Red to Robin. forget? Red Robin. Well, did you at least do anything else when you were in Green Bay, or did you just get your Red Robin and then turn yeah, around and drive to... three hours back? <laughs> no, we, we did some other stuff. We did some other stuff. We actually spent the night there. 
Really? Okay. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds it like was, it's a cool place. It was, it was. It was a good time, and obviously, Tyree and I are very good friends. So, you know, it's it's less about the driving. Like the driving sucks, but I mean, keep each other company, we'll be all right, right? You, you know, and I, I must admit that. I have not spent nearly enough time in Green Bay as I should. I was plan or I am planning, uh, providing that we do have a college football season, I am planning to be there on October 19th when Notre Dame plays Wisconsin. They play a neutral site football game there. Uh, we're here's to hoping that happens, man. Maybe I'll get my chance to uh, to head down to Green Bay. Oh yeah, good one. By the way, isn't I just, the NFL draft supposed to happen in Green Bay in a couple of years too? Well, it looks it like it'll be next 20, year, wasn't it? Right now they're giving it back to Vegas, so probably 2023 at the earliest it would come to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just looked up Olive Garden and I searched nearby. The closest one looks like it's just outside of Appleton. Really, I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now and it says Green Bay. Is there one in Green Bay? Because there's one green bag. Oh, hey, how about that? What do you know? Well, I tell you what, Michael, we've successfully burned nine minutes of the show, and we spent half of it talking about Olive Garden. We're remarkable with that, I We're feel good, like. aren't we? we? We do a good job. We go down the rabbit hole. Michael, here's the thing. I thought I was going to bed on time last night, and I do this every night. Um, this week, I have just started discovering TikTok. Are you on TikTok? No, but I have a lot of friends who are, and they're trying to get me to join them. But I have, uh, I have held back. I have not given in just yet. Well, I'm, I'm on TikTok. I don't create videos. I just go on there to watch other people's videos. But this week, I've actually started like going on TikTok regularly and watching videos and stuff like that. And you talked about going down the rabbit hole, man. I looked up. I thought I was in bed last night at a. I thought somewhat of a reasonable time to get up and be productive today. I look at my clock, and it's suddenly two hours and 25 minutes have passed. And I'm like, I just go down the rabbit hole. It doesn't matter yeah. what I'm doing. It's a, I could be talking on the radio, or I could be watching TikTok videos. I could, you know, just I, – I have yeah. a thing where time starts to slip away from me a little bit because you get so invested in one thing. Well, I mean, I feel like that's really easy to – lose time over because they're so short it's so good to binge Mm -hmm. because you know each one is like what at most 30 seconds Uh, i think it's more like 10 seconds at most yeah so like at most 10 seconds so you're like i'll just watch you know 30 videos all you all of a sudden that's five minutes and it's like yeah that sounds like a lot but really it's not that much i'm thinking maybe because you need to you need to watch each one sometimes more than once or whatnot if it's really good you might spend like a minute laughing straight up so yeah, yeah. I, and there was a video I certainly did watch more than once, and this was from the New England Patriots. It was on TikTok, and this video was dated April second. Keep in mind, but it was Rob Gronkowski. You know, so this is four weeks ago before he was traded and became a member of the Buccaneers. And Rob Gronkowski Gronk is dancing to Doja Cat, and he nailed it. He really did, and it's it's amazing to see a guy his size doing this kind of dance but man he he nailed it croc is he's got moves i feel like a lot of good athletes do i'm sure they do isn't shaquille o'neal on tiktok too probably probably i don't follow enough like celebrities and stuff like that i've like i've gotten to the point where i'm not even looking up people to follow it's just i go into this whatever algorithm they have it's like you know for you or whatever and they they put like videos (laughs) up for you based on you know whatever videos you watch or like already on TikTok, and I don't know, man, I'm starting to navigate my way around it, but 
you know, this is the first week that I've really gotten to watching it consistently. I've, I'm not in there, you know, making videos and everything, but I swear, they, uh, I hear the same, like, three or four songs, like, on every every video. It's like a rotation between the same three or four songs and the same dances that everyone keeps doing. And it's just like, it's kind of annoying, but I don't totally hate it. It's like, it's a weird, because uh, it's either going to be this one song, it's like, there's this weird dance. I don't y even know how to describe it, but like, uh, I think it's called like Made You Smile or something. And then there's one with uh, with uh, Trace Adkins and Honky Tonk Badonka Donk. And there's a, a song for that. And um, there's a Chris Brown and a Mia Pia song or something like that. Uh, it, oh, yeah. And there, there's this thing about, you know, from do you ever see that? TV show Victorious on Nickelodeon, and it was Ariana Grande oh, before yeah. she became a singer, and it's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's a quote from her, and I don't know, it's like I keep seeing a rotation of those four like audio segments and whatever videos or dances go along with it, and it's just like why am I watching this? But at the same point, why can I not put it down? And then those songs get stuck in your head all day. Did you see the very first post the New York Jets made? No. It was a great one, man. Was it? It was a great one. Then they had to delete it because apparently it was like too inappropriate or something. But it was great, man. What if you, was if it? you find time, it, it was, dude. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just somebody hugging a football to a quarterback. That's it. That was That's inappropriate. It. Apparently, uh, the dude, like, I don't know how to explain it. Were it they? Was, I, I mean, were they clothed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were clothed. Everything was fine. Yeah. Everything was totally fine. Mm. Uh, I, I just, like, don't know how to explain it. Somebody was dancing, and then they had a football to a quarterback. Um, but that's it. Like, I don't know how how else to explain it. If you, if, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But definitely look it up, because it's a great video. It's funny, and it's not inappropriate. I don't know why I got flagged for that. But how am like, I going to look no it up if why. it got taken down? No, 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 you can definitely find it. You can't find it on TikTok, but you can find it online. You can find it online. <laughs> I have to do that during the break here as we get set to take our first time out. We do have actual sports I promised to talk about, including a recap of the NFL draft from Michael's perspective, plus a new proposal that could give us pro baseball this season. Next on ESPN-UP. Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny color match finish with over 26 years of experience dave with the help of his qualified staff has the knowledge to restore your vehicle to pre-accident condition make the right decision choose dave's collision call 485-1211 that's 485-1211 now back to the sports pen here's tanner Hoot. Rosters are continuing to be finalized. We are starting to recognize our winners and losers from the draft. I tell you what, Michael, I thought your 49ers absolutely nailed the draft this weekend. I actually said uh, on Monday during the show there were four teams I thought were head and shoulders above everyone else this weekend, and I had the 49ers at number one. Do you, you don't necessarily agree with me, though. No, I feel like the Niners have been very divisive because I've heard people say that they reached a lot in their later-round picks. 
And I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they, they dominated and they got the players that they wanted, the players that they think can fit their system. And I'm in the sort of camp where Kyle Shanahan is a good enough coach and a good enough player scouter to where if he sees somebody who he thinks can fit in his system, he knows what he's doing. I think it's the Bill Belichick effect where Bill Belichick can draft a Division II player in the second round and everybody just sort of goes, yeah, okay, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that's the effect that Kyle Shanahan has had on Niner Nation lately is no matter who he gets at whatever pick, people are like, well, if Shanny thinks he can fit the system, then, you know, it can work. Because obviously, I mean, I've said it multiple times on your show. I was a big T. Higgins fan. Mm-hmm. I really liked what T. Higgins b- brings to the table and his potential. So you can imagine my surprise when that, num- when that pick number 25, the Niners trade up for Arizona State, a Pac-12 receiver, mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk. So I was a little disappointed in that. But at the same time, that thought comes over where, you know, he's a Debo Samuel type a guy who's good on the returns, who can, you know, run those jet sweeps that Samuel does and whatnot. So if he can fit the system and play that same sort of role and they have space for another guy, which obviously they do, otherwise they wouldn't have drafted him, then, hey, it can probably work. And obviously I'm not in the Niners organization, so they know better than me. Well, and Shandy obviously likes what he saw in Ayuk, and that's the guy he wanted. So in a yeah. sense, he got his guy and a guy with tremendous speed they can – kind of get out of value because maybe they reach for him in the first round but either or Shanahan saw something that he really liked and wasn't the 13th overall pick wasn't that from Indianapolis for DeForest Buckner and they use it on Javon Kinlaw so they get a guy who fills that role much younger and much cheaper yeah that was great too and that's another thing the Niners apparently were going to take Brandon Ayuk at 14 mm. if Javon Kinlaw wasn't available so, as a Niners fan, I'm really glad Javon Kinlaw was available because Ayuk was already a reach at 25, and if they went while Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb were still available at 14 and took him, I would have been very, very upset. You couldn't have, you couldn't have altered words enough to get me to like that one. So I'm glad that Kinlaw was available at 14. Hey, but if you think about it, I mean, I give John Lynch a ton of credit as a general manager. He had two picks in the first five rounds of the draft, and he came away with Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams. That's how you do it. That's how you become a general manager that is going to stick for a long time in this league. He takes a team that made the Super Bowl a year ago, and they got better with just two picks in the first five rounds. I wouldn't say that they got better. Cause you don't think, I think so? We haven't seen enough from Javon Kinlaw to know if he's going to be. Okay, so like, let's look at this from a positional standpoint, all right? So Javon Kinlaw isn't as good as DeForest Buckner, right? Not yet, at least. Mm. Not yet. At but least. he's younger and cheaper, and that gives you yeah, cap space he, he, a little he, bit later on down the road. He is younger and cheaper, but we're talking about pure talent at this point, right? If a team got better pure talent-wise, right? Mm. Because Trent Williams is a step above an aging Joe Staley. Joe Staley was showing signs of regression last season. You know, Trent Williams comes over. He's great. He's great. So we're good on that end. He's better. But that same sort of upgraded left tackle, I think, could be a downgraded defensive tackle. Unless Javon Kinlaw turns out to be much better than we anticipated. um, Or just better, not much better. But if he turns out to be better than anticipated, then that could match DeForest Buckner. And then you take Brandon Ayuk, and Brandon Ayuk seems to be well, seems to be 
very moldable into Shanahan's system, but he doesn't have the veteran presence that Emmanuel Sanders did. So while I think we're upgrading at one position, we're slightly downgrading at two. So I think in terms of pure talent, we might have gotten slightly worse, but in terms of managing cap space and being able to sustain and uh, sustain a winning culture, I think we got better. You know what I'm saying? Right, and that's and what, we might what I'm getting at. Is, you know, is that yeah. he, the cap space situation is going to factor into it a little bit later on down the road. What I'm saying is that John Lynch, with only two picks in the first five rounds, has a team that was in the Super Bowl in a better place overall than they were prior to the weekend. Yeah, I'd say, okay, that's a good way of putting it. They're in a better place than they were at this, uh, than they were at the time of the Super Bowl. Because, you know, they still have, they still have a the cap space. Even after Trent Williams, they have enough room to sign one more superstar, in my opinion. I tell you what, the Niners with a, a good draft, in our opinion. I thought the Cowboys were another team that won the weekend. You know, I, I like what the Denver Broncos did, Michael. I think they really know what they're trying to uh, build after, and they're giving Pat Shermer all the weapons, Pat Shermer, Andrew Locke, all the weapons that they need to be successful. They went out and get Jerry Judy. And you know what? I kind of like what the Eagles are doing, too, my man. I thought they were the four teams that won. The, the Eagles. The Eagles. Oh, I like them. I like what they're doing. They went from the slowest team in the league to the fastest team in the league. This was a team that already made the playoffs. They've got one of the most creative coaches in football, and they've got Jalen Hurts now that, you know what, maybe they didn't need to take a quarterback with their second pick, but I'm excited to see how they use him. I think this is a team that was in the playoffs last year, albeit it was in a terrible division, but, man, this team got better over the weekend, and they certainly got a lot faster. Mm. I think a lot of Philly fans would disagree with you there. I know a lot of people, a lot of Eagles fans were saying that Carson Wentz should demand a trade at this point. Really? Yeah. But why? Because. They, they went they, out and they I'm got him weapons. Wentz. They actually got him a speedy receiving core now. Well, people are saying that Carson Wentz, you know, He's still in his prime, so why are they drafting his replacement already? I don't know if he is, uh, if Hertz is being intended uh, as his replacement. I, th I almost feel like he's going to be used as a Taysom Hill type guy. No, no. I, I can't see that happening. I, I can with Doug Peterson, absolutely. The guy who designed the Philly special? Well, if you're going to use him specifically for gimmick plays, then I don't even think that's worth a second-round pick at that point. I don't know. I a guy know. with that kind of athleticism? I, I, I might I, do that. I, I really I, like that pick. I saw a lot of fan reactions to it. A lot of people wanted them to take more receivers because they took one in the first round, but they still wanted them to take one in the second round too. But a lot of people were saying they should have taken another receiver or a linebacker or a safety because they lost Malcolm Jenkins. Mm -hmm. But instead they go with a quarterback. And I don't know. The Eagles are a team that, yeah, they made the playoffs, but how close are they really to winning a Super Bowl? You know, they they did bring in Darius Slay in the back end, and uh, uh, his name is escaping me. Whoever they had at corner, uh, they moved him to safety, and I'm going to hate myself for not remembering his name off the top of my head. You know, their, their defensive secondary is, you know, maybe needs one more piece, what have you. They've got a decent amount of cap space that they can – make something happen here still in free agency and in the offseason. But their goal was to get faster this weekend, and they were the slowest team in football last year. So while I may not have picked the same way that they did, I think they have an identity. They have an idea of who they want to be, and they, they accomplish what they set out to accomplish this weekend.
which is get speed. I mean, they got Jalen Rager and Marquise Goodwin. That's two fast receivers. Mm-hmm. But th- that's still two unproven guys. Well, for the most part, but Carson Wentz showed that he could still get to the playoffs with Nelson Aguilar as his top target. I think the Dolphins absolutely destroyed the weekend. Really? Yeah. Dude, they had so many picks. They did really well with it. I mean, mm-hmm. Tua Vailoa is obviously a fantastic pick. And then two immediate starters on the offensive line later in the first round. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. It's, they take an injury-prone guy. So what's the first thing you do? You get protection for him. You make it so that he doesn't get hit. So they draft an offensive lineman later in the first round. In fact, they spent four of their picks, or three of their picks, I think, on the offensive lineman. They're going to protect their golden goose, and I love that. And then not only that, they also gave him weapons because what do they do? They flip a fifth-round pick from Matt Breida, mm-hmm. a guy that the 49ers weren't utilizing, has a little bit of fumble problems, but in general, when he holds on to the ball, every single year he's near the top of the league in yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a phenomenal get. They still have Devontae Parker. They still have Mike Gusecki. They have the weapons. The defense is looking better. They got Byron Jones, and if Mika Fitzpatrick wasn't such a baby, he could have been part of the best secondary in the league. So, uh, boy, I tell you what, um, you make a great case for Miami. They absolutely did have a great draft. A couple other teams I want to run by, actually three others that I thought should be honorable mentions because I think they all set out what they uh, or they accomplished what they set out to do. I thought Vegas had a good draft as their first year as the Vegas Raiders. I thought they have an idea who they want to be, and that's fast. They go out and draft a bunch of speedsters to try and compete with the speed in that division. I thought the New York Jets actually made some pretty good picks, and Joe Douglas's first draft as a GM, they uh, could have done more maybe at receiver, but they did get Denzel Mims to try and replace uh, Robbie Anderson, and then they got a few value picks like Bryce Hall, Javier Zaniga, and uh, they, they filled a few needs there on day three. And then uh, Minnesota, I thought, had a couple of home runs in their first couple of picks of the draft. I thought Justin Anderson fell into their lap. I thought Philly should have taken him at 21, and uh, he fills the immediate need that Stephon Diggs created for them when he left for Buffalo and then Ezra Cleveland was an absolute home run pickup for an offensive line that was easily the weakest part of that team last year and they didn't have to trade up to get him yeah I mean there were a couple picks that Cleveland could have gone with I'm surprised they went with Becton at number 10 mm-hmm. I mean you know how I feel about Tristan Wirfs man I really want like oh man that guy is a monster did you see yeah, him? Anybody who knows? Did you see that video of him standing in four feet of water in a pool and just nailed the landing, hopping okay. out of the pool onto dry land? Man, that guy's three hundred twenty-two okay. pounds. Yeah, I am a swimmer. I have swam and played water polo since I was six years old. So I've been doing that for I well, I did that for fifteen years. I could never do that. I was never capable of doing that, and I literally lived in water for fifteen years. So someone who's 322 pounds isn't, you know, an aquatic mammal <laughs> who can do that. It, it, it's astounding. It, like, I, I, like, I know just how difficult that is because we used to try to do that, and nobody ever could. And that dude's 320 pounds in camp. You know where uh, Tristan Wirfs is from, don't you, Michael? Where's he from? He's from Mount Vernon, Iowa. He's an Iowan. He's a corn-fed Iowan, so... Good to see you. I knew he went to Iowa. I wasn't sure if he was from Iowa. Mm -hmm. State champion wrestler while he was in high school. It seems like every Iowan who goes on to play, like, 
a pro sport was a state champion wrestler or something. Maybe not in basketball, but uh, <laughs> you always hear these stories about players from Iowa getting drafted. Oh, he's a state champion wrestler back in high school. But, yeah, the uh, stereotype is true. Wrestling is that big in Iowa. Um, I do want to get I'm surprised to you think the Raiders had a good draft. Really? I'll, I'll, well, actually, I'm not surprised. I don't know. I was on the phone, like, I was watching the draft with a, with a couple of Raiders fans, and mm-hmm. they were very upset after the first round. Really? They were saying that Mayock does this. They were saying stuff like, Mayock does this every year. We get, always get super excited for the draft. And they were saying that Henry Ruggs is the same sort of feeling they got when they drafted Darius Hayward Bay, which is what I thought mm-hmm. whenever, which is what I thought the same thing. I mean, didn't I make that exact comparison during the mock draft last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know. Uh, uh, people are really high on Henry Ruggs. I did some research. I'm a little higher on him than I was last week, but I still think at 12 with Judy and Lamb available, we're still phenomenally reaching. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you here at ESPN-UP. Let's take our next time out. i still got a little more I want to talk about regarding the draft, plus a scenario that could give us pro baseball this year. Next on ESPN-UP. Attention small business owners in the Upper Peninsula. We know that being a small business owner was challenging before COVID-19, and now as uncertain economic times unfold, there are new concerns. Please visit www.update906.com for resources to support you, including a UP-based team to help navigate programs designed to help support businesses. Update906.com is your trusted resource. Are you buying a new home? Remodeling? Refinancing? Ember's Credit Union can help take you to the next level. Whether it's your first or next home, Ember's Credit Union helps you with straight talk, no BS banking, that delivers the very best mortgage option for you. We offer a variety of mortgages designed to help you realize your dream. Embers can make purchasing a home easy and affordable. Stop by or call any Embers branch for more information today. We're Embers Credit Union. Let's live it up. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. point guard prospect in high school basketball this year has decommitted from UCLA and he will head to the NBA G League. Kansas City Chiefs corner Brashad Breeland was arrested in South Carolina last night on five separate counts which include possession of marijuana, having an open bottle of alcohol in a moving vehicle, and driving without a license. And finally, dueling is legal in Portugal as long as both participants are blood donors. That is your Sports Center update. Once again, Tanner and Mike with you here in ESPN UP. We're delighted to have you along as always. We continue with our NFL draft coverage and recap. And Michael, we uh, get into some of our area teams here, the Lions and the Packers. And I was doing my post draft grades on Monday. And you know what? Maybe I was a little too harsh on the Lions looking back in hindsight because they filled a few needs that they needed to. They got some recognizable talent. They got Jeff Bakuda, which was the right pick at number three. They got DeAndre Swift. I know some fans were skeptical about drafting a running back at 35, but he creates a little bit of a running back competition with Carrion Johnson, and competition's never a bad thing. And then Quintez 
Marcus Cephas, who I think was a value pick. They got him on day three, uh, but their pass rush was certainly something that was lacking for them last year. And did that get better? Did that get addressed in the draft this year? Well, drafting Julian Acora was a good start, uh, but the interior defensive line remains their biggest weakness. The good news is Detroit is still in a place financially where they've got the cap space. They can go out and get a veteran or two, and to me, if they can shore up that interior defensive line, they can get Matt Patricia a pass rush. This could end up being a really good draft in hindsight for the Lions. Yeah, I think the well, for the first time in recent memory, the Lions might not have made a major splash in the draft at any point, but they played it very safe, and they chose the people that they thought could make an impact right away. And I think that that's the right thing to do if you're the Lions, because as bad as the Lions were last season, obviously with the third overall pick, I don't think they're that far from being competitive in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know my you know my position on the Packers and the Bears and the Vikings. Well, the, where those are all teams that have had pretty good records last season, at least respectable records. But I don't think that the Packers are in a position to compete for a Super Bowl very soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the Vikings are in a position, unless Kevin Stefanski really turns the culture around, I don't think the Vikings are in a position to compete for a Super Bowl very soon. I don't think the Bears are in a position, as long as they have Trubisky and Foles, to compete in the Super Bowl very soon. So I think the Lions, actually in a couple of years, could compete for that division. No lie. Well, so I remember the, they, they started 3-0 and last year. 3-0-1. and uh, 2-0-1, I believe. Um, but they are in a spot still where I believe 100% they could they could take that division in just a couple of years. And yes, interior defensive line is still the major part, but I was doing some research on the lions a couple of weeks ago and their run defense is actually much better than people give them credit for only allowing 4.1 yards per carry. They only allowed six runs of 20 plus yards all season, which was the seventh fewest in the league. And they only allowed one run of 40 plus yards, which obviously was tied for the third fewest. Only two teams gave up zero. And their average runs per uh, yards per carry allowed is better than Kansas City's was last year, better than San Francisco's, better than New England's. So their run defense, while they still need a pass rush on the interior defensive line, I think interior guys, other than maybe Aaron Donald and DeForest Buckner, are more meant as run stuffers. But the Lions are already pretty good at that. So I think shoring up their secondary and getting a pass rush on the outside of that line was most important. They addressed both those needs in the draft, which I think was what gave them a win for the weekend. I tell you what, the Packer fans are wishing they could feel the same way. And I get it. They're they're trying to be optimistic about it, as they should be, because you know what? I'm not saying that Jordan Love can't be a good NFL quarterback. And I'm not saying that A.J. Dillon couldn't be a good NFL running back. But your window is right now when you were one game in definition only away from the Super Bowl. But, you know, this is a team that did not do anything to capitalize on their Super Bowl window, their Super Bowl chances for next year this weekend. They failed to address their three biggest needs, which was wide receiver, tight end, and getting a run stopper defensively. Now, there's no excuse for missing out on a wide receiver this weekend. I get it. You know, Packer fans who are – you know, trying to defend this draft, will say they went out and they got Devin Funches. I mean, okay, it's Devin Funches. I mean, big deal. You know? <laughs> what do you want? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's your number two receiver, Devin Funches. That 
doesn't scream Super Bowl caliber team to me. Uh, it also tells me that they're really high on Jay Sternberger, that they expect him to rebound after an injury-riddled rookie season at the tight end position. They could have got a guy like Cole Komet in the third round, and they uh, instead did not make a move up to get him because they would have had to trade up at least one spot. I think the Bears drafted him one spot ahead of Green Bay, uh, so I don't know if he was in their sights or not. And then they didn't get anybody on the defensive line, and as we saw in that NFC Championship game, their interior defensive line was a, a very much a weak spot for them, and they didn't they didn't upgrade that position. Just I don't I don't get the logic, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get Brian Gutekunst's logic from this draft. I just I I really don't see it. Personally, as a guy who's sort of been unbiased toward the, the Packers, I think aside from the A.J. Dillon pick, the Packers had a phenomenal draft. Really? Every single one of those. I loved every single one of those picks. And it's for the all the wrong reasons. Because um, <laughs> you don't like the Packers? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, not that <laughs> I don't like them. No, no, not that I don't like the Packers, but I don't like them as their Super Bowl window is right now. I know, you know, they came within one game. They were really close. But let's be honest. They're not better than the Niners. They're not better than the Saints. They're not better than the Seahawks. They're not – I mean, and Aaron Rodgers is only getting older. I, like, personally, That's why the window is now, though. I, I wouldn't even say so because I don't think they were that close last season. Yeah, they were one game away, but I think a lot of luck fell on their side. In fact, according to Pro Football Focus – they were the luckiest team in the league last year, and it wasn't even close. In fact, according to Pro Football Focus's luck rating, luck gave the team five wins last season. If you give them an average amount of luck for the year, they're an 8-8 eight and eight team. I, I agree with you in the sense that they really were not as close as the definition. They were not a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl. But, man, they, they were still there, and they were still a competitive team in the NFC. That Man, they've got a good core right there that they should have upgraded this weekend, and, and they failed Aaron Rodgers in that sense. They failed their hey. fan base. Hey, they were competitive. That, that's fine. That's great. You know, that's all fine and dandy. But the goal isn't to be competitive. The goal isn't to be the Houston Texans, where you make the playoffs every single year but don't get close to the Super Bowl. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's the only thing that matters, getting that ring, getting that championship. I'm a 49ers fan, and I don't care how great we were last year. We didn't win at all, so we didn't accomplish our goal. And that's how the Packers need to look at it right now. They weren't as close as they were last year. They weren't actually that close. So what do they do? They prep for the future. They build a guy like Jordan Love who, to be a possible Aaron Rodgers type, sit behind for a couple of years, and guess what? All of a sudden, you're not starting a future Hall of Fame quarterback for 30 straight years. You're starting a future Hall of Fame quarterback for 45 straight years. And that's more important to me because guess what? Aaron Rodgers is becoming a more of a game manager every single year. He's getting older, can't do the things he used to. He's still phenomenal, still shows flashes of greatness, but he can't live up to that same level. So you build a team around him that can survive and maintain and keep Packers fans interested but you build toward the future, most importantly, and they did exactly that with the Jordan Love pick. That's why I love it. Well, Packer fans are delighted to hear you say that, and certainly I think financial issues had to factor into that, the cap space issue, what have you, because Rodgers has two years left guaranteed, and then it's a $17 million cap hit after that. So that, I'm sure, factored into the decision to draft Jordan Love in the first round. I mean, do you really think, do we do we think that Jordan Love is going to pan out in the NFL? Because he's got the tools, he's got the intangibles, but he's not a guy I would have drafted in the first round. 
why wouldn't you have drafted him in the first round? He, well, let's be I didn't, I wasn't impressed with him his senior year. I thought that he, or his junior year, I should say, he left after his junior year, he left college. Uh, I just, I was not impressed with the numbers he put up. I mean, yeah, he kind of resembles Pat Mahomes in the way that he plays the game, but man, I, you're drafting a first-round talent that's not going to be ready for four to five years, maybe. I just, I don't see that as being a good investment on a team that, they have a good window right now. I really do think that they have a, a good core group of guys that you give the complimentary pieces. I think they really are a Super Bowl contender. All right, so I'll tell you why I love Jordan Love. Because mm-hmm. he was great his sophomore year, right? Everybody knows how great he was his sophomore year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was phenomenal. But in between his sophomore and junior years, he got a new offensive coordinator. Oh, he didn't just get a new offensive coordinator. He also got the new head coach. Two guys who saw the talent that they had with Jordan Love, and guess what? Tried to make him do way more than he was capable of. A college-level guy that they were like, we're going to revolve this entire offense around him. We're going to play and we're going to play a what's uh, what's what's the team I'm looking for? We're going to play a gunslinger type offense, which never works in college. We're going to play that with Utah State. That's a sentence that really sounds like it's going to work out great, right? And guess what? It didn't work out too great. Jordan Love was forced to make a bunch of tough throws. He was taught in his senior season to basically sort of make the risky decision and whatnot. I think his sophomore year is more indicative of what he can be with a good coaching staff. And as we know right now, Matt LaFleur is a pretty good coach, or at least he was in his first season. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, but he put up those numbers his sophomore year playing in the Mountain West or whatever conference Utah State plays in. What, what, conf- what conference did Carson Wentz play in? Well, that that's kind of a culture thing, though. What conference did, did Aaron Rodgers play in? Uh, the Pac-12. Yeah, that's not a great football conference. It was okay think, back when Rodgers was there. I think the most important thing in college is making sure you have is, – is looking at the players' mechanics – and looking at the player's ability to adjust to a system. Well, Jordan Love didn't do that his, his junior year. He didn't adjust to a system. He didn't adjust to the system, but what was the third thing I said? Ability to play in a certain system. So if Matt LaFleur can apply that certain system that he had in his sophomore season, which is much more akin to what we're seeing from the Green Bay Packers under Matt LaFleur, then it's, go- then it's much more likely that he can develop into what we saw his sophomore year, which is a guy with the potential of Patrick Mahomes. Well, it's just like... What we were talking about earlier, Shanahan saw exactly what he wanted in Brandon Ayuk, so that's why he took him. The Packers obviously see something they really like in Jordan Love. So to their credit, they they got the guy that they wanted. I mean, they obviously see something they really like in him. They want him, and uh, they got their guy. The only, the only way I think this is a bad move is if that uh, report from The Athletic that came out yesterday is true, and that pick of Jordan Love was simply a power move by LaFleur who've been fed up with Rodgers' attitude. That's the only way I can see this as a bad move, because then that's just petty on both ends. Oh, it is. And, and again, I know that the Packers were not realistically one game away from the Super Bowl this year. They literally were, but realistically they weren't. I still think this is a team that's got a chance to get to the Super Bowl, but man, this they didn't help themselves. They didn't get better in the draft this week, and they didn't get better in the near future, and I'm not sure – Maybe they got better in the long term with Jordan Love. I don't know. It all depends on how it pans out with them. How many teams do you think are in the NFL right now that are legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Um, like that, you, that you think actually 100% have a chance to win the Super Bowl? 
I think uh, in the NFC, I think San Fran and New Orleans probably are the top two. Um, I think Seattle's got the capability. I don't feel necessarily 100% confident in them. I think they've got capability. Uh, and then somewhere below them, I think teams like Green Bay, Minnesota, uh, Philadelphia. I do think Dallas. Uh, Dallas now has got a good shot at getting to the Super Bowl. I will say that the Cowboys uh, will have a shot. AFC, I'll say, well, and you know what? I will just say uh, Tampa Bay goes along that tier of teams like uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Philly. I'm not ready to say they're a Super Bowl caliber team yet. AFC, um, Kansas City, of course, will be up there. Uh, the Ravens, I think, will have a shot. Tennessee might have a shot at making another run. And I'm not ready to count out Belichick. I'm just not. I'm not ready to do that. Fair enough. Okay, so me and Tyree – we talked a lot about this too. We think there's only five teams that can actually win the Super Bowl next year. Mm-hmm. It's sort of turning into the NBA in that sense, where you have a handful of teams that can actually win the championship, and everybody else is just sort of along for the ride. A couple teams might put together some good runs, but legitimately only five teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl next year. That's what Tyree and I sort of think. San Francisco, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and Baltimore. So if you're not one of those, if you're not one of those five teams, at least this is my opinion, if you're not one of those five teams, a team that can win the Super Bowl this year, then playing for the future is sort of the best move. But did we you think, think that, that way about San Fran going into last year? I did. You you thought right. San Fran was going to be a was going to oh, have absolutely. the season they did. They their their one pro their biggest problem was defensive end. So they trade for D Ford and get Nick Bosa. Then all of a sudden, it's looking pretty good. They get a brand-new defensive coordinator, which was also a problem, and they get Jimmy Garoppolo back because the 49ers were, what was it? They were 6-2 and two with Jimmy Garoppolo when he started, and he was out for the entire season. Then he comes back, and we think they're going to be good. Maybe not 13-3, and three, but definitely we think they're going to be 11-5, and 12-4. and four. All right. All right. And Fair they enough. do that. All right. You can you can sort of pre- you can I mean for the most part we can sort of predict that stuff. Like if there's one team that I think could really improve next next season, it's probably the Miami Dolphins. I think that they could go to a ten and six team real easily. All right, all right, fair enough. Especially with Tom Brady out of that division. But again, I'm not ready to count out Belichick for certain. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We will take our last time out now. We'll talk baseball next on ESPN UP. When glass breaks, and it's the kind of a break where your insurance company is going to pay for it, step back for a moment and call time out. You have the right to select Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales of Ishpeming, and why not? If it's glass, they can fix it. All work is guaranteed, and they will bill your insurance directly. The mobile team at Peninsula Glass will come to you and make repairs. Call for a free estimate and see how the crew can best serve you. They also do residential and heavy equipment repair. Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales, Marquette County's only locally owned and operated auto glass shop, right on US 41 in Ishpeming. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Or get our mobile app from the Apple Live Store or Google Play. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We're delighted to have you along this Wednesday afternoon. This is encouraging, Michael, because yesterday I saw 
a report from Bob Nightingale of USA Today that Major League Baseball has been exploring the possibility or what possibilities are for having a season this year, albeit maybe an abbreviated season and probably at self-isolated locations such as Florida, Arizona, and maybe Texas. But the report that I saw from Bob Nightingale yesterday said that baseball is looking into starting in late June or maybe even as late as July 4th and, uh, and having opening day on Independence Day. So they would play without fans, cities that are ready to open back up, that could host uh, games in their home ballpark could do so, and they would split baseball into three divisions of 10 teams each based on geography. So there'd be a West, an East, and a Central division. You'd get rid of the AL and NL for just this season, and teams would play 80 to 100 games without fans. And I get it. The fan experience is great. I love going to the ballpark and shoot ballpark employees, and teams are going to not have as a lucrative of a year, I should say, uh, as normal. But, man, I'm just ready for live sports at this point. And it's encouraging to me. I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe this can happen. And we're, we're getting to the point now, Michael, where baseball is not just hopeful, but they're optimistic that we can have a season this year. Well, we are sort of moving out of it. Like, things are starting to open back up. I'm not getting too optimistic about it yet. And obviously, we still need to stay quarantined for the time being and still make sure everything's all right before we do anything drastic. But, yeah, like you said, it's very uh, it's very bright. The future is bright right now, and I'm enjoying it. And I think this is one of the best things that could happen for Major League Baseball, you know? People, you know, sort of had that feeling where, you know, the games don't matter as much. There's 162, so one game doesn't mean anything for the most part, Right. And uh, a shortened season might sort of give the MLB a chance to make every game feel more important now. Oh, I get see what that you're crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get and they get that crowd back that sort of said, "Well, you know what? Games one through twenty don't mean anything. There's still 140 left. You can go 0 and 20 and still manage a 100 winning a 100 win season. Like that'd be tough, but it's 100 percent possible." I tell you so, what, it, it, you're right. It would get fan interest back, even though fans couldn't be in the ballpark necessarily. Uh, you know, it is encouraging that uh, uh, over in New York, which is the epicenter of the outbreak in this country, and maybe it's the epicenter of the world's outbreak right now, but Governor Cuomo over there said that it is possible that the Yankees and the Mets will both host games in their respective ballparks at Yankee Stadium and City Field this year. And to me, that's really encouraging. And a study that came out, uh, data provided by Raymond James Group, uh, they, they talked about the states that are most ready to reopen. And the states that have Major League Baseball teams, or at least those cities that would be the first uh, that could potentially host games in their own stadium, would be Kansas City and Seattle. And that's encouraging to me as well because Seattle was really where this all started in the U.S. Seattle was the first uh, city hit the hardest, and they're well past their peak. And it's encouraging to me to see that their numbers are coming down. They're almost to the point where Washington State can reopen, and the Mariners could be hosting games in their own ballpark here uh, whenever the season does get going. To me, not just from a baseball standpoint, but from a life point. And I'm not trying to sell false hope because I don't know how this is all going to work out. I don't know if there's going to be a second wave or what have you, but 
this is stuff, something that I'm hopeful in, that I'm, I'm believing in. I'm trying to take solace in. I one I one hundred percent agree with you, and I'm really uh, ad, I'm in admiration of how Major League Baseball has handled this whole situation, because they've been very open about what they're trying to do. They've sort of leaked ideas and whatnot, sort of had fans, given fans the opportunity to say, no, that's a bad idea, that's not a good idea, that's a good idea, but that one's not. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of taking an amalgamation of all those leaks that have happened over the past couple of months now and trying to develop something. They've been trying to develop something. They've been trying to get baseball back, which is what we've all wanted as sports fans. Mm -hmm. And they've been very good about trying. It it really seems like the MLB is making an attempt to get back into it, whereas the NBA and NHL might not have that same sort of feeling, you know? Well, and it's weird because the NBA is generally that trendsetter league, but baseball seems to be the one almost who's taken the lead here. It used to be that the NBA would do something – and everyone else would follow suit because they're the trendy, cool, progressive league. Everyone wants to be like Adam Silver. Now baseball's almost taking the lead, it feels like. And if they can start, if they can get a season going, that might spark the NHL and the NBA to try and resume theirs. Yeah, and baseball's supposed to be the old-timey sport. It is. The one that's stuck in their <laughs> morals and stuck in their old ways. And all of a sudden, they're the one. So I'm loving it. Call me McDonald's because I'm loving it, man. (laughs) Tell you what, uh, we're hoping that baseball can get going. Obviously, um, they have a few other things to figure out in regards to minor league baseball. I mean, let's be honest. While we're optimistic there will be a major league season, minor league baseball is probably not going to happen. There's a 90-something percent chance we won't have a minor league baseball season. So then how do you manage players who get hurt or call-ups or a guy – isn't performing well you can't send them down because there's nowhere to send them down to like how do you go about managing those guys and making sure they stay in baseball shape those are some questions that uh teams are going to have to answer and uh you know it's not just going to be about minor league baseball and if those uh parent affiliates are going to take care of them if the tigers are going to take care of uh i think triple a is toledo for them now and uh all the way down it's not just going to be about that but then independent leagues and uh in summer collegiate leagues i know the cape uh, Cape League, they uh, canceled their entire season last week. Those are going to be some other questions they got to answer before we can get a plan in place, uh, you know, and set it, set it in stone. Yeah, there are a lot of questions, obviously, but I think the most important one is how do we get back? Mm-hmm. Once, once you get back, then you can focus on everything else because you got fans watching. You got people watching. Then you worry about it. Injuries haven't happened yet. They won't happen until we start playing. So you can cross that bridge when you get there. But as of right now, just focus on getting back and then worry about that kind of stuff, you know? Well, let's speculate here a little bit, Michael, because that report from Bob Nightingale of USA Today was really thought-provoking. The proposal made it sound as if once Major League Baseball sets a start date for teams to uh, return to action for opening day, to happen for this abbreviated season players would go to their respective training sites in florida or arizona they would have one week to get ready for the season and then we would start our uh, our new year now this is not part of the proposal or even rumored for it but this is interesting michael because this is what bob nightingale the guy who reported uh the three divisions of 10 teams each he wondered who's going to be in those divisions. So this isn't part of baseball's proposal as we know of. This is part of Bob Nightingale's, um, not his imagination, but um, 
he's he's guessing here what those three divisions of ten teams each would look like. Give me your thoughts on these, Michael. What we would uh, what we could expect here because the East Division would have the Yankees and the Mets, both the uh, New York teams, the Red Sox, the Nationals, the Orioles, the Phillies, the Pirates, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Marlins. You've got three teams who made the playoffs last year, including the defending champions. You've got a team who won the World Series two years ago, and a couple of teams in the uh, Mets and the Phillies who are right on the cusp of getting in. So, I mean, that could be a pretty okay, fun well, division. You know, well, the Phillies have Bryce Harper, so they're not on the cusp, all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the Yankees are really, really, really close, though. Yep. They're a team that could yep. really make some noise. So let me get this straight. Of all those teams you said, the only one that wasn't in an East division already was the Pirates. And the Braves are the one team that wasn't in the East Division that's getting kicked out? Yes, I believe that's correct, yes. They have uh, okay, Bob Nightingale as the Braves in the Central Division. Yeah, why are the Braves in the Central? They're further <laughs> east. Than, I mean, the Pirates are, I don't know, man. I think maybe it's for that Philadelphia-Pittsburgh uh, rivalry since Philadelphia's in the East. Maybe they wanted to keep that rivalry going. Is that a rivalry? I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those cities hate each other. This, oh, is, okay. this is coming from a Penguins fan. Those cities hate each other. Oh, I've never even there. been to Pittsburgh, and I'll, I'll tell you about Philadelphia sports fans, Michael. <laughs> so you weren't a big fan of uh, Rachel Zerby then? Oh, no, no, no. Rachel was great. I adore Rachel. She's, you know, I talked to her a couple of weeks ago. Um, no, but she knew how I felt about her teams. Fair enough. Okay. I tell you what, um, the Central Division here, you have Chicago, uh, both Chicago teams, the Cubs and the White Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Reds, the Indians, the Twins, the Braves, and the Tigers. So you have, let's see, one, two, three, four playoff teams from a year ago. You've got a Reds team that's going to be much better. You've got a White Sox team that's going to be much better. And you've got a Cubs team that's certainly capable. Uh, that could be a really fun division. That would be a great one. Yeah, that's that seems like a that seems like the one I'd probably be most interested in, in my opinion. Because you got the Atlanta Braves in there too, and obviously mm -hmm. they're a fantastic team. The Twins are a fantastic team, and then I mean the Indians have a lot of talent. Yeah, that's a really good one. I really like that one. In the West Division would be the two LA teams, the Dodgers and the Angels, plus the Giants, Athletics, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. That one might be the least competitive of the three, Michael, because that seems to me like it's going to be the Dodgers to run away with. Who knows what the Astros are going to look like this year? With you know, they're they're not going to be able to steal signs. They're not going to be able to cheat. Will they? be mere mortals again oh shoot now this is what i hate about that is the trash can banging was is not going to be there because they'd have to play it without fans so hopefully stadiums pump that in like through crowd noise or whatever but then you got a few other teams that are interesting the angels are going to be better this year the uh the padres are starting to enter win now mode the athletics were a playoff team from a year ago and the Diamondbacks were a team that was kind of right on the cusp last year, and they'd kind of been there the last few years. So maybe there's a Diamondbacks little bit of got a lot better. Diamondbacks got a lot better this offseason. Mm -hmm. you know, Madison Bumgarner and Starling Marte. Yeah. Whew. No, they got a good group. They really do, and that's why I cannot wait for them. Because here's the thing. They have not given any indication as to what the playoff format would be, if there would be abbreviated playoffs or what. But let's speculate here because we've got three divisions of 10 teams each. So what if it was as simple as the three division winners 
and the next best record. They have three division winners and a wild card because it's going to be abbreviated. The playoffs, just like the season will be, the playoffs will be abbreviated. So what if only four teams make it? Could you imagine the September baseball, how competitive that would be? Yeah, that would be insane, and I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, and I maybe maybe that, they'll man. do what the leagues have been doing, uh, the American and National League, and they will have five teams overall uh, make it, and they'll have two wild card teams plus the three division winners, and uh, they played the league championship series format where the two wild card teams play each other, and then the winner goes on to face the team with the overall best record. Maybe that's how they do it. I don't know because uh, – the baseball hasn't indicated what that's going to be yet. Bob Nightingale hasn't uh, predicted here's what that some, could be. Here's something. Yeah. If there's no AL and NL, are they still going to have NL teams when they play the host, air quotes, have, have the pitcher bat? That's a great question. Be... That's a great question because uh, they didn't divide those evenly. They did this totally based on geography. So what are they going to do as far as having a pitcher bat or a designated hitter? If they cancel the American League and the National League this year, will they have a pitcher bat or will they have a designated hitter? Does it all depend on whose quote-unquote home ballpark that they play at or who's the designated home team that year? That's a great point. That's something they have to figure out here in the, in the coming weeks. And here's another thing, right? Mm-hmm. If the teams are playing without fans, I assume that they're going to be playing a lot more at these neutral locations, right? Mm-hmm. The, so would they be playing teams from their own division at a much higher rate than teams from other divisions? That's that's another thing that they've got to work out. That's, because that's a great be, point. Yeah, because if that's the case, then I feel like teams from the West could have a much better chance because the West is so top-heavy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas like teams from the Central might be better overall, but because they're constantly playing each other for the most part, that could limit their chances of really getting a high seed or getting multiple teams in the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. And those are the questions that they are discussing with Major League Baseball right now. And, man, I feel like we're just getting started because I want to keep going on with this. And, uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time. But, man, that was great stuff. It was a great discussion. It's always great having you. Uh, you talked about your uh, Team of the Year bracket over at ABC10. Anything else coming up? We are considering about starting a new series called What If, where we take a look at things that almost happened in the past for sports, things that almost would have changed the landscape of the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college athletics. And we're thinking about doing a deep dive into what would have happened if those things came to fruition. For example, in 2007, Randy Moss was almost traded to the Green Bay Packers in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. What would have happened if that trade came to be? I like it. I like it, and I'd love to see it. I tell you what, uh, we love to have you here on ESPN-UP. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. For John Michael Hopling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.